We're going to get into the service. I know that you're excited for the, the kids doing their part of the story. I wanted to share my part of the story as well. So if you have a scriptures, we're going to Luke 2. You might have a device. You can pull it up. Luke 2, we're going to start in verse 6. Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 6. It said, while they, Mary and Joseph, were there in Bethlehem, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord showed around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born and he is the Messiah, the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared and the angels with the angel praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace with those on whom his favor rests. And when the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. And so they hurried off and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told to them about the child. And all who heard them were amazed at what the shepherds had said. But Mary treasured up all these things in her heart and pondered them. And the shepherds returned, praising God and glorifying him for all the things they had seen and heard, which were just as they had been told. You know, this is a scripture that many of you have probably heard before. Doesn't take too many times of going to Christmas services and you hear Luke 2, but do we really hear everything that God is saying in it? You know, I have read this story so many times and there are still things that I find amazingly interesting and fascinating and things that I've never actually seen before. For example, you know, if just by chance these shepherds were watching these flocks because they were getting ready for the Passover festival in Jerusalem, then there was no room for them in Jerusalem. They were seven miles away in Bethlehem. Or the fact that there was no room for Mary and Joseph in Bethlehem because of all the people that were there in the census. And even the fact that there's really no room for Jesus right at his own birth. The text says that Mary wrapped Jesus in these cloths and placed him in the manger. You know, at this time there would have been midwives that would have assisted with the birth. Especially if it was the birth of a firstborn And midwives, according to Jewish law, were allowed to travel, even on the Sabbath day where travel was restricted, they could travel great distances with these mothers so that they could be there to help them give birth to this child. And it's the midwives, not the mothers, that would have wrapped these strips of cloths around those babies' limbs. Why didn't Mary have a midwife? The text says that Mary wrapped this child up. Can you imagine going through a birth all by yourselves? I mean, I didn't have to do a strong part, but we have three kids, so they were traumatic experiences, my wife can tell you. And Mary just did it. 
Mary wrapped up that, the, that baby. Joseph was there, but, you know, really, how helpful was he? <laughs> I'm sure he was helpful. The, the thing that is really, really interesting, though, is that Mary and Joseph have no dialogue in this scene. It's almost like they're content bystanders to their own story. Like, they are, they are happily participating but don't have the stress or the weight or the hurry or the worry about what is going to happen next. The shepherds and the angels are the only ones that have dialogue in this whole episode. And maybe it's just the simple reality that Mary and Joseph are fully present and aware that this is Jesus, Emmanuel, God with them, that fills them with not only peace, but with joy and love. When was the last time you had joy, peace, and love during Christmas? I mean, not just a moment of it, a flicker, but where if you videotaped the home you lived in, you know, for 30 minutes, you would see joy, peace, and love. What I think is also fascinating is that the scene shifts to these shepherds, and shepherds would have been viewed as less than servants at that time. They, were, they weren't reliable in court. Um, they were left outside because of the work they did. They were just leftovers in society, and yet the first news of this baby being born is given to them, and they receive it. They don't multitask. They don't figure out what they're going to do with their sheep, which really isn't just sheep. For these shepherds, it's their livelihood. It's their work. It's their identity. And they leave that behind to run to the one and only thing, person, that can give them meaning, identity, and purpose. They just left the sheep. Let's go and find this child. Let's go see what happened. And I don't think it was because they hated their work. Even, even those of us that are in job situations that, that we don't necessarily like or that pull us down, we stay. Because the fear of the unknown is often too great to leave what we have. And yet for these shepherds, that's exactly what they do. You know, not only that, but if you're keeping track, this is Luke's third announcement by an angel of Jesus' birth. Now, this announcement follows the same four-step pattern as the first two in Luke 1, except there's one small difference, and we see it in, in Luke 1.19, where when the angel speaks to Zechariah, he says, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I have been sent to tell you this news. He identifies himself to Mary as Gabriel, but in this story, the angel's not named. So, sometimes we like to give a little bit of interaction because what you have to say might be better than what I have to say. So does anyone want to just throw out why the angel might not have been named in this story? You know, there's no stupid answers. Just stupid people. No, that's wrong. Maybe it didn't matter. Yeah, why didn't it matter? 
That's not the focus. What would have been the focus? The birth. All right. Anything else? The what? The sender. What do you mean? Yeah, even in, in I, I agree, but I find it interesting that even God is more of a, a distant bystander than Mary, Joseph, the shepherds, or the angels. Could have been more than one. I think it's probably some combination of the fact that this announcement is really important, but then also combine that with the fact of who the angel was the first two times. The angel that stands in the presence of God. I am, angel, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. Anytime someone in scripture stands in the presence of God, they shake in their boots. They know they're not supposed to do that. And yet, this time, it's, it's not even mentioned. Why? I think it's because if the shepherds and Mary and Joseph, if they really understood where they were going and what they were doing and who they were with, they would realize that they are Gabriel now. They are just like Gabriel. They are someone who is standing in the presence of God with them. Jesus, Emmanuel. And, and we might experience that too if we could get out of the hustle and the bustle of our life and pause to take in the fact that God actually came to us to love us, to live with us, to die for us. In a few minutes, we're going to hear kids tell the story of Christmas. And it might be a story that you've heard before. There might be parts that even sound like what we just talked about, but I encourage you to not miss it. Kids have this amazing ability to be fully present, to not be distracted. Sometimes they don't even check their devices. It's just beautiful, and we can learn from them. I think we can learn from these shepherds. I think we can learn from Mary and Joseph. Psalm 54, 4 says, Behold, God is my helper, and the Lord is the sustainer of my soul. So I'm just wondering, how's your soul lately? Is it happy? Is it excited? Is it anxious? Is it weary? Exhausted? Is it troubled? Stressed, downhearted? It's your soul. The soul, according to a spiritual guru and theologian Dallas Willard says the soul is the very life centered, the essence of what it means to be human. He says that hurry is the great enemy of our soul of today because hurry keeps us from experiencing God's goodness and care for us from one moment to the next. This is a season where it's so easy to hurry And we can miss God's grace and God's goodness in each moment of our lives. In fact, a recent study in USA Today revealed that a vast majority of Americans feel that they are busier this year than last year, and that they were busier last year than the year before. And so for better or for worse, the pace of life keeps speeding up so that we always feel like we're facing a time crunch. Anybody feel like they just don't have enough time? I guess I'm the, oh, two of us, three of us that are honest. And well, this has led not only 
religious scholars, but psychologists and even, even some medical professionals to say that there is this new disease called hurry sickness. And hurry sickness is defined as a condition characterized by the continual rushing and anxiousness, by an overwhelming and continual sense of urgency as if there's not enough time. See, if you're a busy person, I'm not here to shame you. I think being busy in and of itself is not wrong. Jesus was a busy person, but he was never in a hurry. From the birth to his death, he never, ever rushed. And when we're busy, it reminds us that we need God. We might have a lot of places to go, a lot of people to meet, and a lot of problems to solve, but when we're hurried, we're preoccupied. We're never in the current moment because probably we're always worrying about the next one, the next person or the next place or the next problem. When we're busy, we can prioritize loving and caring and being concerned about the people that are closest to us and the problems that are near us that are brought to our attention. But when we're hurried, we just don't have time for the people that are most important to us. We don't have capacity to love the people near us. And, and really, hurry erodes our connection with God. And that's how you know you've had busyness slide into hurriedness. When hurriedness shoves God's presence out of your life, then you're too, too busy. In fact, I think the hardest thing and the most thing that we can be aware of this Christmas is that hurry impairs our ability to love those around us. We lose a sense of who we are, how we are, what we are, why we are, and even whose we are. See, love and hurry are fundamentally incompatible. Now, certainly people hurry to go visit the hospital when a baby's born, but how many people hurry over just holding a newborn baby? This Christmas, we don't have to hurry. There's no present that's going to be more important than being present. Once upon a time, there was an elderly couple who was taking a flight first class and they were sitting right behind a businessman who was always in a hurry. And these, this couple had the worst luck. They were right in front of him at the gate. They were right in front of him as they walked down that little tube to go into the plane. They were right in front of the, him as he stood in line for his seat. And when he sat down in his seat, they were right behind him the whole time. Even when the first class served this food, he had to wait because this elderly gentleman had to get some pills out of his duffel bag, and this tattered duffel bag accidentally fell on this guy's head, and in a moment of just sheer anger, he's like, what is wrong with you people? I mean, everybody in first class heard. In fact, I think probably all of Coach heard it. He says, do you people even travel anywhere? Why can't you just stay home? And to register and punctuate his anger, he sat down in his seat, he pressed the button, and he threw his seat back, and it caused his tray of food to slide all over himself and his wife. And the, the flight attendant came over and apologized profusely and asked if there was anything that they could do 
And the elderly gentleman said, it's, it's okay, um, this is our 50th wedding anniversary, and it's the first time that we've ever flown. And this flight attendant said, oh, please let us bring you a bottle of wine to at least celebrate. And so she did, and she uncorked it, and this gentleman stood up, and he proposed a toast to everyone in first class, and then proceeded to pour the whole bottle on the guy's head. And I'm pretty sure everybody in first class cheered. Now, you and I, we don't have enough bottles of wine to get rid of our hurry that way. But we have the presence of Jesus in our lives if we would just see it. The shepherds saw it. They had to make a choice. Mary and Joseph saw it. They had to make a choice. And you and I, if we could just make the choice, Jesus would eliminate the hurry from our lives. And we could experience not only God's presence, but God's peace and joy and love. Do you pray with me? Today, as we come to you, Lord, we just bring all that we are. I thank you that we can be a church and be in a place where we don't have to pretend to be, have it all together. You accept us exactly as we are. God, and as we delight in children leading us today, I pray that we would simply remember that you delight in your children. You don't expect them to perform correctly. You certainly don't expect perfection. You just delight in your children. I pray, God, that we would delight in you as you delight in us. I pray specifically for those that have anxiety right now, that are just anxious about Christmas and that are suffering from hurry. I pray you would meet them right in it. And I thank you for your grace and your goodness that you don't, you don't pull us from it, but you do invite us to step out of it. I pray for those, God, that, that are hurting, that, that this season brings a tough season, a season of, of loss, a season of hurt, I pray, God, that you would, you would meet them with all of your grace, all of your mercy, and truly that we could experience the good news that is for everyone this Christmas. God, would you help us to be like the shepherds, to be like Mary and Joseph. God, to pause, to pray, to praise you that we might see you, that you might rid us of our hurry and help us to fall more deeply, deeply in love with you. So God, as we come to our offering today, we bring ourselves, we bring our, our hurts, bring our concerns, bring our hopes, we bring our dreams. And some of us might even write those down on that card and, and put them in the offering. But I pray that we would bring everything we are, our finances, our prayers, ourselves, that we might see you, especially, especially in this season. Lead our kids, God. Thank you for them, whether they're, they're our biological ones or not. As a church, we love you. We love everybody here. 
help us to receive your love today.